And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to six, A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, I have a very simple question for you, and it is this. Is Ohio State in full Death Star mode now? Could you hear me on the mic, what I was doing? No. Oh, yeah, you said he got dragon's breath. Dragon's breath. <laughs> I'm ready to fire takes. I'm ready to... This is going to be one of those shows where I just rattle shit off, and you're going to have to tell me whether you're with me or not, okay? Okay. Um... And we'll go on there. But, like, listen, I know that you have the Marriott Rewards program and, like, you want to rack up as many points as you want, but are you staying with the big fella out here? Yeah, yeah. You got, like, uh, here's the thing. Get the room. Get the room. Yeah, yeah, get the points, you know. You're still sleeping here, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do I get my own bathroom? Yeah, of course. That's all I care about. Yeah. 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 The man needs his own bathroom. You got a a mounted television in your own bathroom. I don't know what else you need. Great. Continental breakfast from uh, 6 to 9. From Brit. Yeah. Yep. She's she makes a mean breakfast too. Today she had waffles with peanut butter and blueberry and syrup on it. It was pretty solid. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. There were gluten-free waffles. Can I get a late checkout? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess Ohio State's coming to Dallas and uh that'll be fun. And we're Who's who are they going to be playing in the Cotton Bowl some playoff semifinal? UTEP. UTEP. Stuart Mandel's uh, bowl projections that went out on uh, Monday when we were recording this had Ohio State versus Cincinnati in Dallas. Well, in Arlington, I guess. But, yeah. I take an Ohio State versus Cincinnati playoff game. I hate to say this because Cincinnati is really good, but oh, that God. is just like a bye week into the, into the national title, isn't it? <laughs> Do you think Cincinnati could beat Ohio State? No. Uh... I have not watched like any of Cincinnati, but I don't feel like I need to to say this. No, I don't think they could beat Ohio State. Uh, I think like Ohio State would probably be what, like a two touchdown favorite in that game. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like all for the love of the group of five and to keep people interested and stuff. But if you threw them into the playoff and Ohio State got them in the first round, I think that that would be a very nice gift for whoever gets to play the group of five team. Now, I'm not saying they're incapable of winning. They're obviously a very good team and, and, and clearly a top 15 team. But as we've discussed at nauseum on this podcast, I think there's a pretty big gap between the top six and the top fifteen. Yeah, here's what I know: uh, Indiana or Cincinnati played like a game with Indiana, and I think there's some people who who think that perhaps Indiana should have won that game. 
Um, and then Ohio State made Indiana look like a Pop Warner team. So I think that's probably. I felt bad that. for Indiana while I was watching it. Yeah, fifty-four to seven. Um, I pulled the. I was like, uh, "Stop the count on this one!" You know, like I, I didn't. So here, here's what I'll say, and I tweeted this, and I was wondering what you might think about this during the game. Well, first of all, before we get into my hot takes, I want to say, this entire year since Ohio State lost to Oregon, I've been saying, I need to see Ohio State beat a good team before I'm back in. Mm-hmm. One. I don't think that's true anymore because I'm back in. Is it, be, two, is it because they're not going to play a good team? <laughs> two, I don't think they're going to play a good team. We're three weeks away from or removed from saying that the Big Ten East is trash. And I'm happy to do a little victory lap here because it's, I mean, I know that Michigan and Michigan State are both undefeated still, but everybody's headed to the to the, to the slaughterhouse, I think, eventually. So and yeah. one team's going to lose this weekend. Like what does like I know that Ohio State like Penn State is clearly better than Indiana, right? I mean, Penn, yeah, Penn State crushed Indiana. The, the the thing that I'm a little bummed by is that we're not going to get to see full strength Penn State play Ohio State. Now, maybe that would have made no difference with the way Ohio State's playing right now, but like Sean Clifford is clearly not himself. I like watching that game against Illinois. Like, I was surprised he played, um, and he didn't look comfortable at all. They're also missing like PJ Mustafer and then Illinois just like ran the ball down their throat. So like. It's not full power Penn State. Um, Michigan State, I think a little less of because Michigan State messed around with Indiana a couple weeks ago, and, and, and Indiana clearly is not very good. Michigan, we'll see. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to watch Michigan-Michigan State because if Michigan handles that game, they're a four-point favor on the road. If, if Michigan wins that game like, the way I think they should win that game, then maybe I'll think a little differently of them. I still don't think they're nearly as good as Ohio State. Michigan but. is the type of team that this year that's good enough to – because Michigan over the years traditionally – has played Ohio State tough in first halves for the most part. You know, they they punch first a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've played close games with Ohio State. Like, this Michigan team is probably on par with some of the better Michigan teams of the Jim Harbaugh era that played Ohio State close. So I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and ever say that beating Michigan is never going to mean nothing. Like, it's going to mean nothing. That's not true. But from a, a talent standpoint, like, this is the thing that I that I take exception to a little bit, like when you discuss Penn State. It's like... Everybody thinks James Franklin's a great recruiter, and he has done a pretty good job there. It's like you can't be a banged-up Sean Clifford and a uh, defensive tackle away or defensive lineman away from losing to Illinois. Yeah. You know what I no, mean? I like if, you're, totally if your fair, team yeah. is built built in, in, a, in a spot, like how many players would Ohio State have to be without to lose to Illinois? Uh, like their whole, whole starting 22 probably, yeah. So, like, it's – so here we are, 17-and-a-half-point favorites, and I'm going to tell everybody to hammer it, and then Penn State's going to get some bullshit touchdown at the end and cover because <laughs> they cover every single year when they're not supposed to. But, like, they're not playing anybody good, like really good. I'm not saying they're not playing solid teams. And, again, for the sake of, of making this clear, you know, the Iowa's Penn State, well, maybe not Penn State anymore, but Michigan State and Michigan's of the world are very good in comparison to what they probably should have been and what they've been. But when you're comparing it to an Ohio State team that is playing the way that they're playing, you're going to have a bunch of 20-point spreads for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you just say, well, I'll believe Ohio State's a playoff team once they play somebody good. It's like, well, they've got a clear and easy path to the playoff right now, and there's nothing standing in their way. So I think that it's appropriate to say that they're a playoff team because, like, what the hell is going to happen in between now and then? And I guess, like, beating uh, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan – and maybe Iowa all in all in you know the next six weeks will mean something as a whole, but like we're not going to get a big time prime time hold on to your nuts type of game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like it's just, I mean what? So Ohio State's a playoff team because the best division in college football now is like the weakest. I, I don't know like what the weakest is an is an exaggeration but it's just not what it was 3 weeks ago when there was like 9 teams in the top 10 it's yeah it's not and, and i think we were realistic about that and i know maybe nationally people weren't and and listen like that's to ohio state's benefit because 
they're going to get credit for winning all these games. And it's and not that they shouldn't get credit, but they might get a little more credit maybe than, than, than they should because there's going to be numbers next to Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan's names when Ohio State plays them. Um, I think nationally the Big Ten East is still thought of pretty highly. Maybe maybe it shouldn't, but there's, there's just like clear flaws with, with all these teams, particularly on, on the offensive side. Maybe maybe less so for Michigan State, although they couldn't really do much against Indiana's defense and Ohio State put 54 on them with relative ease. So, um I don't know what that says about Michigan State, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It's it's not it's not the gauntlet that I think many people laid it out to be a couple weeks ago. But I don't think you and I were ever ever quite to that level with with this division. I still think it's, they're indistinguishable from each other. Yeah, yeah, they're they all the are. Same they're team all in my head. They're all pretty similar. Um, I do th- I do think that the East is better collectively than I thought it was going to be this year. Sure. Yeah, um, because Michigan State and Michigan are better than we thought they were going to be. Right. But Ohio State also has gotten to a place over the last few weeks that I wasn't totally sure they'd get to after that Oregon game. So I'm not really sure that the collective uh, improvements of Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State matters all that much. So I was watching the game. I had some pie, too, by the way. Nice. Ohio, and this is the tweet that I had. And I'm going to add one thing. But Ohio State's offensive skill is making it really hard for me to contain my admitted hyperbolic nature <laughs> because is it hyperbolic to say Chris Olave is the best receiver in Ohio state history? We've talked about that. It's a debate at the very least. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets juicy. Ohio state is the clear second best team in college football. I think I could get there. I think I could get there. And, and, and but who's the, who's the debate with Alabama, Mama? Um, Alabama, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Oklahoma's not in that discussion. Yeah, probably uh, probably not. I mean, you can't really mess around with Kansas, I guess. Um, Cincinnati, by virtue of its record, but I think if you line, put those two teams side by side, it's it's a pretty clear-cut answer there, obviously. Yeah. And Bama, Bama is, a, is a legit. Alabama is, is, a, is a discussion, but Alabama has, um, I think, some deficiencies too. And, like, obviously they've lost the game, and they were messing around with Tennessee a little bit. Granted, Tennessee's, you know, an improved team. Um, and that ended up being a comfortable win for them, but um, there's definitely things there that you question. I don't know. Like it feels like with Georgia, there's not much there that you question. Like obviously their defense is incredible, and their offense is not spectacular, but it's like relatively efficient, and you sort of know what it is, and you don't think it's a dumpster fire. Um, Alabama and Ohio State, I think, still have some outstanding questions, but but the way they're playing the last few weeks, I think I could put Ohio State there. Okay. Ready to get hotter? Mm-hmm. Trey Henderson is the best running back in college football. I would never. There's, I would th- never. There's been one. It's not to interrupt you, but there's been one clear. What about this guy, Bijan? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I would not pretend to have watched enough college football to be an authority on that because I watch Ohio State almost exclusively. But I've not seen many running backs in my life like Trevion Henderson, so it's hard for me to imagine there's more than one or two who would even be on the same like stratosphere as him. Granted, I know I'm saying that about a freshman, so um, he's pretty inc- like he's he's got. I, I pulled some stats of his because I wanted to talk about the the Trevion Henderson kind of C.J. Stroud Heisman thing. Um, Trevion has six carries of thirty plus yards. He's averaging almost nine yards a carry. He only has seventy nine carries. He has fewer than a hundred touches. He has 14 touchdowns, which ranks second in the country. Like I just, I, every time I watch him play, I think to myself, like, man, what would this look like if this kid ever got a full workload? And he had, I think there's been like one game where he's had a full workload, and, and otherwise he's basically not played in the second half because Ohio State hasn't needed him to. Maybe in the end that hurts him in the Heisman conversation, but pure talent, I, I don't know. I, I need to go watch Bijan, I guess, to to have a better answer for you. But uh, if you want to tell me it's those Bijan two, Bijan is you. more powerful and bigger. And he might be even faster. I don't know how fast Trey is compared to everybody else. He's got pretty good speed. All all I know is there is a certain thing watching Ohio State for the majority of my life that is not a debate. And you and I have had this. We've screamed at each other in a car ride before about breakaway speed mm-hmm. and playmaking ability. There are certain people where you can take the stats and throw them out the window that just freaking get it you know what i mean like or just like productive and they just have it it's apparent from the very beginning that they're special they might not have the best stats in the world they might not have the best measurables in the world but something about them is just producing 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 now trey actually probably has 
some of those measurables and speed. And, you know, he was a five-star prospect. Don't get me wrong. But, like, you just, all you have to do is just be a layman and watch him play to know that there's something different about this kid. Yep. And, like, in three years, what is he going to be in Ohio State history? I know it's always so weird to say that or this early, but, bud, like, this is Maurice Claret shit. Yeah. Maurice Claret was tweeting about Trevion during the game because uh, Maurice's freshman record, I think, is 18 touchdowns at Ohio State. Trevion's going to, you know, leave that in the dust by the time the season's call over. Him. Um, that would be a good story. Yeah. Not to, not to add stuff to your plate, but I think people would read that. I think they would, too. Um, who's the best? Who's the best freshman to ever play in your time on the beat at any position? Best freshman at any? I mean, probably J.K. Unless I'm forgetting and, somebody obvious, but my, my, I think it's J.K. And, and if it's J.K., I mean, I can't remember. Was Darren Lee a true freshman or a redshirt freshman? Redshirt freshman. So, which would you take, freshman J.K. or freshman Trey? I think it's undeniable. Like, listen. I understand, too, that it's, like, very easy to get caught up in the moment. And, like, J.K. Dobbins was super special, especially in his first game at Indiana his freshman year. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm not necessarily sure that Trey Henderson isn't the second best running back of the urban era already. Now, he doesn't have the stats or the or the experience to match, match up with it. But, like, if you had to put a running back on the field in a big game, I think Ezekiel Elliott right now, considering what he did in the 14 playoff run, is the undeniable answer to that question. But, like, I think Trey Henderson is probably second. And not to disparage J.K. Dobbins in any way, but J.K. had some pivotal pivotal mistakes in a very big game that might have been the difference in winning or losing a playoff game. So, like, I just don't know. And and I get that he also put them in a position to maybe win. So maybe that's not fair. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think I would take Trey Henderson as my running back of all the Ohio State running backs in a playoff game, second behind Zeke if there was a playoff game tomorrow. If I if you told me like don't take into account standing within like the lore of the program and statistical production and just kind of like look at the players and their skill yeah. sets That's and all which it is. one you'd like I think I would take Trey first. I think that that's okay. Which uh, maybe the thing about it is, is that it, but I have not seen I have not seen this combination before like cover and granted i've been this is my eighth season covering ohio state so i've not been covering it forever so maybe there's folks who you know zeke watch. is faster than trey henderson though in a straight line sure zeke is zeke is a, is a track star he's faster than both those guys um total pack and trey's got plenty of long speed he's got some of the best contact balance i've ever seen um he squares up at the point of contact he, he falls forward every time he runs the ball his lateral agility is incredible. His I, I don't know if I've seen quicker feet than his. You know, I'm, I'm just talking about like with my own two eyes watching college football. I'm 33 years old. I haven't watched football forever. Um, I've I don't know if I've seen a, a package like this with my own two eyes. Maybe Saquon Barkley, but that's probably about it. Yeah, there is this like weird thing where you can't say anything about Zeke without upsetting people. Zeke's but- great. He's awesome. Zeke is awesome. He's an Ohio but like State also icon. too. In his 700-yard playoff burst in the, over the course of the three postseason games, dude ran through some pretty big holes too. And I'm not saying that he wasn't the difference maker, and I'm not saying he's not one of the best, most iconic players in Ohio State history. But if you strap away everything that we know from just a watching the person standpoint. I don't know that I've seen a person that is just this undeniably special since Maurice Claret mm-hmm. at that position. Because I think Maurice Claret was more special than Zeke. And he didn't get the the stats, and he didn't have the breakaway amazing. I mean, he did have one of the best performances in Ohio State history in a national championship game, so that has to matter for something. Yeah, and he but ran like, for 1,300 yards, right? As a there's a difference. Yeah. There's like Zeke to me, like, and he's one of the best players in the NFL right now, or, or best was. running backs in the NFL. Yeah. Or he was. Yeah. He's just a very powerful, fast, and agile runner. Mm-hmm. But, like, Trey can make somebody miss and run them over. Right. Like, I don't know that Zeke was a very good make-somebody-miss running back. He kind of ran in a straight line and outlasted people to the edge and broke tackles. But, like, I don't think he ever, like, 
had that juke hesitation move where somebody just like fell over and he kept running. Like Henderson has like like Zeke power and speed and JK like vision and mm-hmm. juke ability. Yes. Which is like this guy's gonna be a star in the NFL type shit right there. Yep. Hundred percent. I think he's and like yeah, he's a combination of like of, of both both of their best traits. And at the beginning of the year when you and I were discussing who are gonna be the breakout stars that help Ohio State get to where they need to go, like this is the undeniable answer. It's what, I think this is what we expected, right? And and like it's crazy to say we expected. I him. think this is a little better I mean, than I expected. Yeah, I mean, yeah. nine yards of carry is pretty insane. Fourteen touchdowns is pretty insane. But like we expected, I knew him he was going to gonna be really, really good. We expected him to be a star, right? And he is he is that on still what is a very small, very small workload. I mean, he's got a hundred. He's got what is it? Like I think it's like eighty. Maybe it's like eighty-five touches or something like that in seven games. I I tallied it up in my story that I wrote after the game. I forget off the top of my head. You know how we do these weird like podcasts in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. uh, like in the summer when there's no games to try to like get through it, like ranking Ohio State's players. Like, what if we ranked Ohio State's players right now? I'm not saying doing it right now, but like if we had to rank them, I'm not sure Trey would be outside of the top four. Uh, you better or top three. You better not be. <laughs> if, you're, if you're ranking the players, I would hope you wouldn't have them outside the top four. Um, yeah. There's only two that I would take over him, and maybe only one. Wilson and Olave? Yeah. I mean, yeah. who else is better at their position than he is on this team? I mean, I guess maybe an offensive lineman. Because, by the way, I have more hot takes to spew, and I don't know if we want to spend 20 more minutes on Trey. I think everybody knows I'm this guy's amazing. Yeah. But the next thing here, and I asked this to my dad when we were watching it. And, again, recency bias is a <laughs> cop light in your eye. I get it. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Is this the best offense Ohio State has had on your time on the beat? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Like, can you can you say that? Because the nineteen offense rocked shit, and it might not be the same statistical outputs and all this stuff. And like, Justin Fields is not on this team anymore. So like, am I high for thinking that like this is the purest form of off and well, like listen to, maybe they'll get to a playoff to game and georgia will get into right. cj stroud's face and he won't know what to do but like the amount of skill talent combined with the way the offensive line that was one of the best offensive line performances this past weekend i've seen they were annihilating indiana i thought that was their best game yeah it was just like they had like indiana had no chance to stop them they did not, and they even like Indiana's defensive defensive line is is not great. Um, they do have two pretty good linebackers, and Mike McFadden and Cam Jones were probably like two of the top like twelve linebackers in the conference. Um, and they were just getting crushed by Ohio State's offensive line. Like there was one play earlier in the game, I clipped it um, when I was watching it last night uh, on Sunday night. Um, Dewan Jones just like buried Micah McFadden. Micah McFadden might be the best linebacker in the Big Ten, and possibly by like a substantial margin and Dewan Jones just like swallowed him and like put him in the dirt on a, on a run play watching that guy crush the right side of the offensive line is wildly entertaining and he's played well all year Paris Johnson Jr. played his best game uh, like I think by far he was awesome um and then everyone else is pretty good too and we know it's kind of, it's kind of funny I like spent the last two weeks like uh uh touting Matt Jones and saying saying like maybe Matt Jones should start and then he played, and I don't think he actually played very well. <laughs> and the starting five played awesome, so maybe I should stop talking about that. But yeah, they were great. It's it's this this is. I don't think you can say it right until the season's over. 
because there's just there's just too much that goes into it. But it's it's tracking as the best offense I've seen since I've covered this team. And by the end of this, I think it's possible we're saying this is the best offense Ohio State's ever had. Which is crazy because their quarterback is way worse than it was last year. And that's not a slight at C.J. Stroud, who uh, was like really developed. No, don't do it. No, not yet. No. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, they're just not the same player. So it's like it's not. Yeah, it's hard. But C.J. Stroud made some awesome throw. That one throw, was it the first or second drive, where he just like darted over th- into triple coverage right over the closest defender's head yep. into the bread basket, but in front of the other two. It was like triple coverage, and like nobody had a chance to get it but the receiver. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you could... Th- how many times do you think C.J. Stroud could throw that same ball to the same person with all everybody in the same position and hit that? Like, was that like a lucky throw, or was that like what is no. that his accuracy? I think that's I think that's what makes C.J. special is his ability to see see the field in the intermediate area of the field and make those throws over the middle. I just don't think there's a lot of young quarterbacks who would even attempt that throw, let alone complete it with the way that he did. The, the places where C.J. needs to grow, and we still saw it against Indiana. Is is consistency throwing the ball down the field? So that's why, like when you said, yeah, he missed a uh, he missed one. When you say he's way worse than Justin Fields, like I would push back on that a little bit because I think like Justin was excellent throwing the ball down the field. It's what he did the best. Obviously, he's incredible. He's an incredible athlete. Like CJ doesn't have that, and he doesn't have the downfield prowess. I think that CJ is a better short to intermediate thrower than Justin Fields was. Was and I is. think? Uh, I think in this specific offense, that is a very bad time to not have a proficient down the field passer i disagree how many times a game does chris olave get behind a defense six yeah but i mean it's not he got he got behind i think he got behind twice and cj missed him once i think uh against indiana um but it's just like chris olave is just as capable touchdowns off the board yeah but like he's called different plays then like it's not Chris Olave doesn't just have to be a deep threat. I know that. No, you're like I know. I'm just saying, like, way, but if you top if you top a defense off and you have a quarterback, thing, I'm not. And by the way, C.J. Stroud can get the ball there. He's not a bad downfield thrower. Like yeah, he's yeah, better I, than I J.T. Barrett. Not good as not as good as Justin Fields. He's somewhere in the middle of those two guys. It's just like you know what it's like to be in a playoff game and the score is 27 to 24 in the third quarter. Chris Olave gets behind a defense and the ball lands three yards in front of him. That can like take the air out of a team. It's like, and I always, I, I always. Uh, you know, put it into terms of just like what would this mean in a playoff game? And it's kind of like that's how I view this everything with this team. I don't view it as like, oh, it's no big deal because they were up 68 to nothing against Indiana. It's like, what is going to happen when they're playing Georgia and Chris Olave finally gets behind the defense and CJ Stroud misses that throw? You might not get another chance at it. You know, that's the only point I'm saying. Like, and when I say that CJ Stroud is far worse than Justin Fields, that's not a slight at CJ. That's a compliment to Justin. Yeah, Justin's great. Best, best, like I th- package. I think they've had at that position. You know, maybe for maybe even forever. Um, I think because CJ's offense would be better with Justin Fields in the in the game right now with this team, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be probably just as. Pro- I mean, it's hard to be more productive than Ohio State's offenses right now. They're averaging eight and a half yards yeah. per play. Um, and they're averaging almost 50 points per game. So it would be just as productive, but it would look different. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about the conversations we were having on this podcast a month ago were. Yeah. He's um, he's really settled in, C.J. Stroud has. Like, I, 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 it was hard, I think. We never saw him play last year. We never saw him throw a pass last year. And, like, I watched him in high school, obviously, when they got him and – you would hear the things about him that made him special. There was these people thought made him special and it was all very enticing, but then like you just didn't see it consistently enough in his first couple starts. And, but now I think you're starting to see the vision for it. Um, Now that we're removed from the first few weeks of the season, do you believe that health played a factor in how he was playing or do you think he's just settling in now? I think that, um, I think health is part of it. I just don't know. I know he said, like, he said, God gave me supernatural healing powers and my shoulder feels great now. Um, I'm happy he feels that way. I, I think it was more like you need to play better because we have other guys behind you who are capable of playing. And I think that, res- yeah. I think that resonated with him. <laughs> and now his shoulder's fine. And yeah. now his shoulder feels okay. And it's not to say he wasn't hurt before. I just don't, I, I don't think he went from 
playing in pain to playing with no pain because he took one week off against Akron. Like I don't think that's how how it works. So, um, well, maybe he does have supersonic. Unless space. he, I mean, he very well healing could, power. He very well could have super supernatural healing. I powers. rolled my ankle out of spin class uh, six weeks ago, and I still can't walk normally. Yeah, my ankle. I, I have this thing going on now where my ankle like feels like I rolled it, but I don't remember ever doing it. So I think it just means I'm getting old. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to go see a doctor. I don't know. I think that these are the types of problems that somebody who is 34, <laughs> six foot four, and weighs 210 doesn't have, though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe the answer is just lose weight. Yeah. As, you as, know, as, here's the thing about uh, going to a doctor's appointment. If you have a problem, I don't care what the problem is. The solution to that problem is lose weight. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, and, and the first thing I asked Bill before we we started. Uh, this podcast is what he got for dinner in Indiana, and we're back with the source of the problem again. Oh, um, a little Giordano's pie. Thin crust, by the way. Thin crust, pepperoni, and sausage. I got extra cheese. Um, I don't know why. I was just feeling extra cheese. It was pretty good. Uh, I could have been – I ordered it well done because I wanted it a little crispier. Um, it still could have been a little more well done in the, in the center, but it was good. People tell you to get the deep dish. I Giordano's. never do the thin crust I never good. do extra cheese. On my pie, I I rarely do. I like cheese, but like I don't like it when there's too much. This was borderline too much. I like the consistency, and the thing I like about thin crust Giordano's pizza is that the consistency is, you know, those pizzas sometimes where you pull it up and the cheese like moves. Mm -hmm. I like pizza much better when you can pull the slice up and the cheese stays perfectly in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Without moving at all, you don't want to eat a piece of crust with sauce on it and no cheese. Yes, and I think that extra cheese creates problems that the structure of the dough can't handle sometimes yeah i think that's right and i think that's what happened okay. with this particular pizza yeah I, that's why i never order extra cheese yeah. i've never gotten a pizza and said oh man there's not enough cheese on this neither have i because the but dough gave me the, the dough is still this they gave me the option the, for extra cheese the well, dough is still the the star of the show when it comes to the carbs are always front and center that's true that's true the pepperoni okay i've better too do you want more hot takes yeah hit me This is the best Ohio State offensive line of the last seven years. Mm. You go back down to fourteen and tell me and tell me what you think. Does, does fourteen count in that? Or are you saying since? Yeah, 14? I meant since the beginning of the Urban Meyer era. Let's we'll say it that way. The fourteen line was really good by the end of that year. That that is the best I've seen an offensive line play. I thought they were pretty good two years ago in twenty nineteen too. Um, this one, I, I want to, Indiana was their best game and like, they were really knocking guys off the ball. I felt like, and I think we, we've seen that for them throughout this year, but I don't know if we've seen it as consistently as I would have liked to see it, um, from them in, in the run game. So I think maybe I'd like to see a little more of that before I crown them the best line we've seen so far, but they certainly could be by the end. Um, for sure, but I still think I would give deference to that 2014 line and maybe the 2019 line for now. But ask me again in like three weeks because there is like the 2014 line had Billy Price, like Billy Price and Taylor Decker and Pat Elfline. So like three of those guys are in the NFL. Um, two of them weren't. 2019, I think all those guys are in the NFL, right? Josh Myers, White Davis, Jonah Jackson, Brandon Bowen, Thayer Munford, they're all in the NFL. Yeah. Um, Brandon Bowen's also a professional gamer. Yeah. Uh, all these guys are going to play in the NFL. But, like, Dewan Jones, man, like, he could be <laughs> – Dewan Jones, like, went in the first round. I don't think I'd be floored by that. He's a one-year starter. Maybe teams will want more tape of him. But I don't know how you see a guy who's that big, who moves as well as him, who's playing as well as he is right now, and not think, yeah, I'd like to take him in the first round. Um, and Nicholas Petit Frere, I think, is going to be like a, a, a second rounder at worst. Doesn't he seem to be really coming into his own, or is it just me? Nick Petit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he's playing well. He's he's had a – I think we all know like his background, right? He had to, he had to add weight, and, and it was hard for him to keep the weight on. He was an excellent pass blocker last year, like an incredible pass blocker last year. And that was, but he's mashing dudes now. Now he's mashing people, yeah, which was like the next step for him and what, what like Greg Sudrawa talked about in the offseason was like he's got to get more consistent with his power and now he seems to have the total package um 
he he's shorter for a tackle, so maybe like he's he's only six five. He's got good length, but he's only six five, so I think that would keep him from being a first rounder. Um, but he's very good. I think he has been their best offensive lineman. And you know, I, I, I hate to close. hate to get ahead of myself here, but listen, it's a podcast and whatever. The recipe to managing Georgia's defense is Ohio State's offensive line. I. I wish we. I, wrote, I put this line on my story. Like I want to fast forward to watching that that matchup in particular. Like it's Ohio State's offense versus Georgia's defense, yes, but it's Ohio State's offensive line against Georgia's defensive line is what I really. That's want to it. Watch. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's right. Must watch television. Get your popcorn ready, Link Kiffin style. That's what I want to watch. I also think that we're on the verge of Georgia being the most dominant program in college football for a four or five year run. That's interesting. I think they need to get better at quarterback. I think they've signed five-star quarterbacks in back-to-back classes. Yeah, but they've had five-star quarterbacks in the past, right? And it hasn't mattered. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, getting them and develop them. Develop the them amount, yeah, I mean, the amount of talent that they're acquiring right now is just off the walls, insane. They are recruiting at an absurdly high level. Although I think in, in twenty-two, they're Alabama is still better than them, right? Yeah, I mean, but they're like, no, I think Georgia moved up to number one now, and Georgia's on Georgia's like on the radar of five other five-star prospects that they might get three of. Yeah, it is pretty absurd. What is this list? I typed in 2022 football commits, and the first kid that popped up, oh, I guess it's like in the order that they've committed. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's just the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, they just got Bear Alexander, Georgia did, right? Uh, so Georgia, yes. yeah, Georgia is number one. Um, yeah. I want to look at the individual player ratings. Georgia's individual player rating is 92.49. Alabama's is 94.51. Ohio State's is 93.63, so better than Georgia's. Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, has a punter in their class, which has an impact on that. Yeah. They only have two five-stars. Yeah. I they have more than that. Um, they they will gonna, uh, in add, December. They're going to have like four more, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does Georgia so. have a punter in its class? Let's see. Georgia does have a punter. Yes. Pro kick Australia guy, three-star prospect, Brett Thorson. He's probably 28 years old. Can't wait for yeah. him to win the, the uh, regular. And I, I think there is also like an unrated interior offensive lineman at the bottom. So like there's a few. Like the thing about the pl- average player rating is that it gets like you saw how far Ohio State's fell down. Mm-hmm. It fell down from in the 94s down to the low 93s because of that prospect they just got out of St. Clairsville, Ohio. Yeah. So they, you know, one player can kind of marginalize that number. It's like, certainly I, I think that. Yeah. How many top 100 players does Georgia have in their... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight seven, already. eight. Yeah. Yeah. And they're involved with uh, Walter Nolan, Evan Stewart, Shamar Stewart, uh, Jaheim Singletary, the former Ohio State commit, Kamari Wilson. Uh, and they flipped... Uh, I don't know if it's Michael or Mikel, but they're also in with Ernest Green, too. That's... Uh, Six top fifty players that they that they might land four of on top of what they already have. A couple of those guys on Ohio State's board. Yeah, so, yeah. Ernest Green is probably. I mean, this is the hardest part for Ohio State too. It's like maybe this is a discussion point, but it's just like Walter Nolan's in Tennessee, Evan Stewart's in Frisco, Texas, uh, Shamar Stewart's in Florida, uh, Jaheim Singletary's in Jacksonville, uh, Kamari Wilson's in Florida, and uh, Ernest Green is where California, right? So like. Ohio State, the national – I'm not saying – it's just like it's getting harder, I think, mm-hmm. at the top. Now, they can't take all those guys, and Ohio State's still doing fine. But, like, this – Georgia's class is a chance to break the record that Alabama broke last year. For total points or for, for individual total, rating? For both. I think – well, actually, I think they have to have – seven five-star prospects to get to that point and i'm not sure that they will especially with a punter in there but they are they are doing some uh, insane things and if they win a national championship this year which i think is very potentially likely um you might be a turning point into into becoming the new it program and also clemson's done in my opinion i think that next year they're gonna lose two or three games done forever like it's over not no, I don't think that they're done forever, but they're done in the discussion of annual national title contender. Interesting. Until they start recruiting at a higher level, they're not going to be the best team in college football six years in a row again. But didn't they have like a top five class last year, or did they not? 
I think it was number five, yeah. Yeah, number five last year. Yeah. Really high player average. Yeah. What are they this year? Looking up 247 Sports live on the podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Where are they this year, Bill? Yeah, say it again for the people in the back. Also with a really high player average, though, 93-3-4. Yeah, yeah, their their classes are – listen, I'm not saying they suck, but it's really, really hard to maintain what they were maintaining over a five-year period again. Yeah. They got a five-star quarterback in the pipeline. Yeah. Your boy, Cade Klubinick. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, in the program rankings, Clemson took a pretty big dive this year. Yeah, I think that's right. Because, like, cause like, like, listen, dude. Teams have down years. Ohio State missed the playoff multiple years. It happens. They stink this year. And when's the last time an Ohio State team or an Alabama team stunk? And if you stink, why do you stink? It's because, and listen, they have some injuries they're dealing with. And maybe DJ isn't who they thought they were, but it's just like or the, who they thought he was. Mm-hmm. But you can't stink if you're going to be one of the, the it programs in the sport ever. Yeah, this is a if, this is a dip like beyond I think what is what is reasonable for. This a isn't like a two loss missing the, the playoff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like they suck. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah, lost to Pitt over the weekend. Shout out to they f- got their ass kicked by Pitt. Future Eagles quarterback Kenny Pickett. Yeah, we'd love, we'd love to see it. You have any more hot takes? Um, I can come up with a few if you want. Well, I want you, I want I want to go back to the question I asked you when the, when we first started the show because I just want to know if you think okay. is Ohio is Ohio State in full on Death Star mode? They win every game by double digits. It's like a it's a I don't know cakewalk to the playoffs. I think, probably too I think that they will they win every game. game for the rest of the year by double digits. Yes. Um, Death Star mode in the regular season. I'm very curious to see how they perform against another team that's really really good. Yeah, so yeah. If they end up playing, if they don't, if they don't play Cincinnati in the first, listen, Cincinnati's in trouble, and Chris Vanini can put them number two in his in his poll all he wants. <laughs> People can say, and I'll tell it to his face. He knows that Cincinnati is really, really good, and this is the year to do it. If Alabama beats Georgia and Ohio State is undefeated, and Oregon doesn't lose, Cincinnati's not stiff in the playoff this year. And so Oklahoma too. Projected all, yeah, projected all you want, but there are three. Or four power five teams in front of them still in the playoff committee's mind. And you'll see when they have their first rankings. What is it, in two weeks? It is. We're recording this on Monday. It'll be a week from this Tuesday is the first playoff rankings. Yeah, a week a week from this Tuesday, we'll see where Cincinnati's ranked. It ain't going to be two. Where do you think they'll be? I guess we need to see the results, right? But we're, like, let's assume that it's chalk this week. Where do you think Cincinnati will be? In between three and five. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We can talk more about this after the game, assuming Ohio State beats Penn State, because that'll be fun. Right now, where do you think Ohio State would be in the playoff rankings? Two. Two? Really? Two or three. They might be behind Bama. I think it's going to go Georgia, Ohio State, Bama. Those are going to be the top three, and then you have Oregon, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati for four, five, and six. I'm very interested to see what they do with Ohio State and Oregon, assuming both teams have one loss after this weekend. I don't think they give a shit about head-to-head. I don't think they will in the end. It, it, it feels to me like it'll be the kind of thing where they'll honor it until the very end, and then when it's time to put Ohio State in a playoff, they'll just forget that it happened. And then Ohio State will magically jump Does anybody Oregon. on earth think that Oregon would beat Ohio State if they played on Saturday? I don't think so. So do you think the committee thinks that? No. 
So head to head can't mean something on Tuesday, but not and then not mean something at the end. But then again, but they do it all the time. Them, they, so, they, yeah. The criteria is is malleable over time, and then well, things, I mean, I guess the criteria matter in November, is, don't matter in December. Because if you add wins from Ohio State against Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa, then that can be the thing that changed. But like, I just don't know that they want to put Cincinnati at two, and if they went out, yes, put them at five. They don't want to. Like, I think they're going to be careful. Yeah, yeah. So Cincinnati will not be two. I think it'll be Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Cincinnati, if, or in some that, in some order like that. Is Alabama off I think this week? I don't know. I don't have the entire college football schedule memorized. Right there, Sorry, I was yawning. Sleep the Did you hear what I said? I don't have the entire college football schedule memorized. Yeah, I know. Actually, I am. Yeah. It looks like they are off, and then they play LSU on November 6th. So, okay. Bama's, Bama's set. Georgia plays Florida, right? Um, Watch Georgia lose to Florida. I swear to God. You know what's funny? I was looking up, like, I wanted to look it up just to have it on hand in case, like, somehow it came up. I looked at the, the teams that are top 25 S&P plus offense and defense, and there are seven of them. Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and then Pitt, Iowa State, and Florida. So I don't know, like, and maybe some of that's still preseason stuff, but the offensive stuff of Florida there surprising me a little bit. Their offense is pretty anemic at times, but then Richardson comes in and they're like, "I'm very curious to see if Dan Mullen will do the thing that everybody knows he should do, or stick with a quarterback that nobody does thinks should be the starter." You want to know if a if an Urban Meyer disciple will stick with his worst starting quarterback rather than put in the younger player who's clearly better than the starter? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I get. The I want to know if it's hereditary. I got, I got the answer for you. <laughs> Uh man. Uh, no, I what, agree what with a you. Sport this is. I Dollaby. think uh, I think Ohio State is is looking at double digit wins here as it, as it goes through the rest of the season. I just don't see it from for the rest of the teams on our schedule, um, including Penn State this weekend. And our friends at BetMGM, as we record this, have Ohio State as an eighteen and a half point favorite, and I think that's moved up um, from from where it opened up uh, initially. So um, people are jumping on that. I think Ohio State wins comfortably this weekend, and even like last year. Last year was a fairly comfortable win for Ohio State in an empty Beaver Stadium. Granted, they didn't cover the spread. They did not. It was a little bit, a little bit of. I don't know why I remember there. that so vividly. It was a weird game. It was another one of those games. Ohio State mo last year was like run out in front of a team and then mess around right before halftime and then mess around in the second half and the margins close. Well, they added that weird call before halftime in the Penn State game last year where for the Penn field State goal, added right? a field goal and that was the difference in the spread. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't remember what happened. Then they like the tie ran out and they brought them back on or something. Yeah. And then, like, they threw a couple jump balls to Jahan Dotson in the second half, and he scored. But, like, they were... Yeah, and then Penn State ended up covering the spread by two points after that field goal. Yeah. Um, Penn State plays Ohio State close every year, and I think that at a certain point, it isn't a coincidence anymore. So, like, to me, I think my expectation is that Ohio State would, would win comfortably and cover the spread, but the proof of James Franklin's ability to bring these two teams closer together has been... Good enough to respect. You have yeah. to respect that. And it's like I don't. I don't know that I think that Ohio State's going to go out in Indiana this team. And like I think that Penn State and Indiana and Michigan and Michigan State are all relatively similar. I don't know of all the teams. And listen, I'll, I'll go on record and say that I have questions about James Franklin coaching ability, as I'm sure Penn State fans do now too. But James Franklin has done one good thing without question at his time as Penn State is to make this game interesting. He always has his team ready for this game. That, that that's for sure. And I think they will be, even if they're shorthanded on Saturday. We'll, we're going to talk more about that game later in the week. We're going to have Audrey Snyder, who covers Penn State for us, uh, come on and, and join us. We'll talk about the game, but I also think it's interesting to talk about Penn State as a program and like where it's headed and, and James Franklin's future and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll get into that too and, and give some picks uh, for the game then. Uh, real quickly before we finish up this episode, Ari, um, CJ Stroud moved into third with Heisman Trophy odds on BetMGM. What do you think of his? Who are the Heisman? top three? Is Bryce Young just Bryce the Young only first, person? Matt Corral second, CJ Stroud third? Is Bryce Young just number one because he's the Alabama quarterback, or is he actually playing well enough to be worthy of it? Probably a mixture of both. Like statistically, he's he, uh, like he's not, in my in my opinion, like any significantly better. Where's than Trey guys. Henderson on that list? Do you have it in front of you? So he is at plus twenty five hundred, which I think puts him in a tie for the fourth or fifth um, best odds. He's on like the same level right now as like Desmond Ritter. Do you think that he could win it this year, or is it too late? I th- it still feels to me like it's pretty wide open. Did you do your Heisman straw poll this week? 
I have to next week. I didn't this week. I was up all night. Yeah. So has, I, it, has it been? Has it run yet? Uh, I think we run it on Tuesdays. Um, okay, then I'm gonna add it. I just don't know. So like I put. Uh, I did not put Stroud. Well, who do you think is more deserving between Trey Henderson and Stroud? Henderson. I don't think that that matters at all. I think all that matters is the position you play right now. Hundred percent. CJ, but I think, I think CJ Stroud five to one for Henderson is kind of a pretty good bet there. Because if he like goes crazy and has one game where he scores five touchdowns or something, I think he would be thrust into a top three situation and sitting there at twenty five. I think it's good value. If he, yeah, I think it's tremendous value if you assume that his workload's going workload is going to increase, um, and I hope it does. Like I just want to see more of him. Um, it does feel to me, though, like, and it's not to say that, like, CJ Stroud's been great. His numbers are going to be off the charts by the time the season's over. Like, in 2019, when, Ch- uh, like, Justin Fields is considered more of the team's Heisman candidate than J.K. Dobbins was, like, I thought that was wrong. Um, and I think in the end, we'll probably be wrong about this, too, but it's just kind of the nature of the award. Uh, but I did not have either on my ballot quite yet. Who are your three? Uh, I had Jordan Davis one. Uh, defensive tackle from Georgia. I think he's actually the best player in the country, and he's the best player on the best defense and, like, the thing we talk about the most in college football. Uh, so I put him number one. Uh, number two, I think I put Bryce Young. And number three, I had Kenny Pickett, I think. Um, but I uh, considered – Action for your birds. Yeah, yeah. I considered putting C.J. Stroud, um, if he continues on this trajectory uh, and plays like he's been playing against what I think is, is still a pretty good pitch. Is Jordan defense. Davis – what are his odds? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I don't know. Is he even is he even on the radar? Let me see if I can pull that up here. Uh, Bet MGM Heisman Trophy odds. I don't think he cares about uh, winning the Heisman. I mean, he got a nice uh, local billboard ad from an insurance company. Did you see that? I did not see that. No, down in down in Athens, he got one. Yeah, it says like making big moves or something, and it's like a insurance billboard. Um, Jordan Davis. Let's see here. Bryce Young, Matt Corral, C.J. Stroud, Kenny Pickett, Caleb Williams, Kenny Walker, Desmond Ritter, Trey Henderson, Bijan Robinson. Um, I do not see Jordan Davis on here at all. Yeah. Chris Olave plus 20,000. Garrett Wilson plus 25,000. Why is why is Garrett or Chris Olave not in the discussion? The guy Heisman? scores like three touchdowns every week, yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson's having a better season than Chris Olave. Yeah, I need to look at the statistics. It seems like Olave scores more. I mean, they're both playing great. They're both exactly what you thought they yeah. were. But um, let's see, receiving touchdowns. Olave has eight touchdowns. Wilson has six touchdowns. Olave has 32 yeah. catches. Wilson has 36. Uh, Wilson has 605 yards. Olave has 518 Wilson's uh, average per reception is higher, but yeah, Chris has more touchdowns. I'm surprised by those stats. In what way? Just without having looked at them in the last few weeks, the way that I perceive the season is going doesn't match up. I thought that Olave would have a higher average um, yards per care or catch rate and would have had more catches total just based on the way the games have gone in my head. Yeah, there was like I mean, they're a, both awesome. I'm not saying that I just would think that Olave would have the advantage in some of those categories that Wilson does. There was that weird so like, like I think Wilson might be having a sneaky good year. He's having a good year, but there was also that weird like three game stretch where I think Olave had like two catches or three catches. Oh, like he didn't yeah. catch a ball against Tulsa, and I think he caught two against Akron. Um, so that was kind of weird and like out of character for him. But Garrett Wilson's playing really well, I think, and they've both been great. They've both been exactly what you expect them to be. I'm not saying one I was texting playing, with playing a uh, a scout. Um, from the NFL over the weekend, who was at the Indiana game. Mm-hmm. And he said that he loves Olave way more than Wilson. He said they're both good, but he said as an NFL evaluator that Olave is his guy. That's interesting. If he were to have a pick a receiver. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know how often you hear that. Um, and I think they're both well thought of by the NFL. But I think in, in general, I would assume that Wilson is thought of a little more highly. Um, but it's fun debate, I think, between the two of them because they're not quite the same. Um, I actually... And, you know, I'm not a scout. It doesn't matter what I think. I'm not picking guys that go in the NFL. I like you basically are your fantasy team is pretty good. I like Olave a little more too. But 
listen, I thought Terry McLaurin sucked for the first three and a half years of his career in college, and now he's like one of the best receivers you definitely in the NFL. Do. Yeah. Like, I don't have any idea. Like, how would you even begin to make that decision if you were an NFL GM? I don't know. Like, Chris, Chris Olave is small, and that's what scares he's, me. They're both kind of slight. skinny. They're both kind of slight. But also, Chris Olave gets open so much easier. I, I don't know. And then that one one yard fade route that Wilson ran. It's just like, I don't even know how you would pick between the two. I guess the good news is. And I think is, maybe both will be very good. Yeah, the good news is no matter which one you pick, you're not going to be wrong. I think you're going to be okay. Yeah. So Ohio State. Also, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is is turning up a little bit. Yes, he is. And we got Emeka Ibuka threatening to return a touchdown. Like, they're fine. Yeah, yeah. They're really good. Um, Has Ohio State had more skill talent on its roster at any given point than it does this year? Um, I mean, I guess there was a Ted Ginn Jr. San Antonio Holmes year. Yeah, like Terry Glenn and Eddie George were on the same team, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Because we were kids when some of those guys were playing. But it's like, was Terry Glenn better at football than Chris Olave, but just played in an era where they just didn't throw it as much? It's like, it's like, always hard. Like, I, I, sometimes I like, wonder. I no idea. Like, like, there were some really good football players back in the day. And it's like, sometimes I wonder, like, if David Boston played in this offense, what his numbers would be. Yeah, right. That's the other thing when comparing Ohio State skill guys is that Ohio State didn't embrace the forward pass until 2013. Yeah, what about what about uh, Ted Ginn Jr. now? Yeah. Have you watched his highlight tape? I have, yeah. Like Ted, Ted is probably – Ted Ginn Jr. is probably about as far back as I can go with as it pertains to Ohio State skill guys that I have like an actual memory of how good they were when they were here. All you have to do is go watch Ted Ginn Jr. highlights. They're like six minutes long. Nobody's ever been faster on a football field. Nobody. Yeah. Like he's faster than Percy Harvin on a football field. Who was who did we who was the the, the was that Jamison Williams that you were the yeah the, the yeah. leading receiver at Alabama yeah. And I actually called the coach that recruited Ted Ginn Jr. Daryl Hazel and had him watch Jamison Williams' high school tape, and he said that's about as close as I've ever seen. Yeah, Jamison Williams can fly. That's the one thing I know there's been some talk about, like, oh, should they have kept Jamison Williams? Like, they're fine, whatever. Like, don't fret about it. But, like, the one thing that Jamison Williams does do that I don't know if anyone else who's playing right now does is just, like, He might qualify for the Olympics. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Like, catch the ball and just explode past every single person on the field after he catches it. Like, his top speed is terrifying. Um, Maybe Ibuka has that, or maybe, like, Julian Fleming, if he can get healthy, has that, but... That's that's a little different from Wilson, Olave, and Smith and Jigba for sure, but they're okay because all those guys are awesome too. Everybody's good. Shout out to Brian Hartline for finding the good receivers. Yeah. All right. If you're out of hot takes, we'll wrap up the show there. Uh, hot take: Ohio State's walking into the playoff without any problems. By the way, have you taken a uh, taken a gander at the Big Ten West standings? Uh, are we looking at Minnesota at the top again, or yeah, what? It's like is high stake going to play Minnesota again in the Big Ten Championship? Minnesota is five Minnesota and two, and three and one. Minnesota have, and Iowa are both three has, and one. But Minnesota and Iowa haven't played yet, right? They have not. Yeah, Minnesota just housed Maryland over the weekend. Um, Iowa has also not played Wisconsin, which is two and two, and apparently found its offense last week. Um, Minnesota has a. Uh, Illinois and Northwestern before they have to play Iowa, too. Yeah. And Iowa, I think, has a tougher road ahead, don't they? Iowa plays Wisconsin this weekend. Yes. So Iowa's 3-1, and one, Minnesota's 3-1, and one, Wisconsin and Purdue are both 2-2. Two and two. Like, that feels very wide open. I know, like, like before Iowa lost to Purdue, we were like, oh, it's going to be Ohio State-Iowa. We were, like, including Iowa in Ohio State schedule. Um, wouldn't be so sure about that now. If P.J. Fleck plays in the Big Ten championship game, is he going to be a coach at Minnesota next year? Uh, I would guess not. I was uh, shocked when I saw they were five and two. I've not been paying attention to Minnesota. I know they lost to Bowling Green, uh, which is yikes. But yeah. uh, they're five and two, and they're missing their yeah. best player. And I think yeah. they're missing his backup now too. So um, good job out of PJ Fleck. Five and it two. Just goes to show you how crazy college football is. Yeah. Bowling Green beating them. Yeah. If they would be, they could be six and one right now. If that game didn't happen, and their only loss would be a fourteen point loss to Ohio State, they would be like in the playoff discussion. They'd be ranked for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Ohio State versus Minnesota now in December instead of Ohio State versus Iowa. Possibly weird season. 
weird season, but uh, what Ohio State versus enter overmatched Big Ten West opponent here. Yeah, as long as it's not Wisconsin again, I don't want to watch Ohio State play Wisconsin again. Indianapolis, Wisconsin. Although it's the same game, no matter who they play. <laughs> they're all the same. Yeah, what, what, what's the, the identifiable same. difference between Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, Ohio State? When's the last time Ohio State played Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game? I don't think they have, they have, have they? No, they've played. Uh, That'd be a cool matchup. They played Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin again, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Northwestern. It's crazy that they played Michigan State. Was that the Legends and Leaders division? 2013, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, no, but. they should go back to. All right. That'll wrap up great 4 game. to 6 with A and B. Yeah. Great times. Great friends are made. Thank hey, you. hey, one last thing, bud. Yeah. Leave a five-star qu- review with a question. We'll answer it. Oh, yeah. Leave a five-star review with a question. We'll answer it on <laughs> Apple. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. you. I I didn't check them before the show, but I'll I'll check them before the next one. If there's questions there, we'll grab those from the Apple five-star reviews. We'll have Audrey Snyder on to talk a little bit more about Ohio State versus Penn State. Uh, Saturday night in the shoe on ABC. Don't know if game day is going to be there yet, but um, it should be a fun atmosphere, although it's supposed to rain, and Ohio State's wearing ugly uniforms. But besides that, it'll be a good time. We'll talk to you guys later in the week. (laughs) 